Let's pray together. Lord, we ask that you give us ears to hear the words of Jesus this morning, not just with fresh ears, but somehow that you might work another miracle and help us to hear them spoken today. Not just heard, we ask you to speak to us through your word this morning, especially these promises of peace that you leave with us. In the precious name of Jesus, we ask for these things. Amen. Pronoia, the opposite of paranoia, and this is true. Pronoia is the belief that everyone and everything around you are conspiring to do you good. Pronoia is the belief that everyone and everything around you are conspiring toward your success. What if? I mean, let's, we're at church on a beautiful Sunday morning. Let's just imagine. What if everything in the world was working towards the good? Isn't that in Scripture? Have we forgotten that? So, here you go again, even though you've already heard it once today. We know that the whole creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as children, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to to his purpose. What if we let those ideas, everything coming together for the good, which, I mean, let's be honest, given the world that we live in, that one is hard to hear. Which I think why that whole passage is so important for us to hear before we hear the words of Jesus something that's hard to accept, something that's hard to take, everything working together for the good. I mean, how audacious can we possibly get 
to stand here with a straight face and say, given the world that we live in, that everything is working for the good. Well, that's not a verse that just stands by itself. It's an entire section that also says things like, we don't know what to pray for. Oh. So I get to say, in the same breath, everything is working towards good and I don't know what to pray for. And at the same time, we are groaning like we're in childbirth. Oh, okay. Because I haven't ever been in childbirth, but I've watched it. So I at least have a bird's eye view of this pain that we're all going through together. You live in this world, right? Everybody here together. We all live in the same world. We're all groaning together. We're all in pain together in some way or another. I mean, some of you sitting here right now, even listening to these words of the Lord are probably in some physical pain. Not to mention all the other stuff that we go through in this world. And then come the words of Jesus. So that is set up for what is one of the most beautifully significant teachings of Jesus that goes from John 14, 1 to John 16, 33 and 34. That's one thought. You know, even though we're doing it this week, next week, and the next, and really taking our time with these three chapters, John 14, 15, and 16 is all one thought. It's one long sermon that begins one way and ends with echoes of the way it begins. You know, it's like a perfectly written, you know, piece of music or a perfectly written movie, you know, that just it starts one way and then it does all this other stuff and then it comes full circle right back to the beginning and you go, oh, that was satisfying. Well, that's the way John 14, 15, and 16 all moves together. It starts like this. This is 14.1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God's, uh, trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me. That you also may be where I am. Jesus starts this sermon with, do not let your hearts be troubled. And then it ends this way in 1633. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Do not let your hearts be troubled. In this world, you will have trouble. Is that contradictory? Kind of feels like it in some ways. Don't let your hearts be troubled. In this world, you will have trouble. Well, 
Jesus doesn't start by saying, you are not going to have any trouble. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. And then ends the sermon, in this world you will have trouble. Well, how did he start? What did he say before, in this world you will have trouble? Don't let your hearts be troubled. Which I think is an acknowledgement, you're going to have trouble. Don't let it eat away at your heart. We do that sometimes, right? We forget these sermons. Why do we keep coming to church Sunday after Sunday? We've heard all this stuff before. Well, we forget. We let it go. We forget, do not let your hearts be troubled. You know why we need to hear that? Because six and seven-eighths of the rest of the week, we have to listen to people telling us not only let your hearts be troubled, but run for your lives. I mean, it feels like we're, we just have this steady stream of words that we are bombarded with that are telling us, run for your lives. You should be scared out of your wits. Then Jesus comes and reminds us on a Sunday morning, and unfortunately, it's just sort of uh, sometimes, and this is our fault, it's not Jesus' fault, it's our fault that Jesus' voice is just sort of a thin, kind of one-word, one-sentence thing that we have to hear amongst all this other bombardment. So what do we do? Well, we do what Christians have always done. We resist. We resist the powers that be. And we speak what needs to be spoken, especially on a day like today. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Yeah, but have you seen the world lately? And now in context. Back to John 14. The words of Jesus. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place that I am going, Thomas said to him. Leave it up to Thomas to interrupt a perfectly good sermon. Jesus is really going strong. And then Thomas raises his hands. Wait, 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 wait. Before you go any... Okay, Thomas. Go ahead. Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered. Now, John doesn't say this, but I think that John is insinuating. Jesus answered patiently. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Philip. 
even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my words. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing His work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe the evidence of the miracles themselves. I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do greater things than these because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father and He will, be, he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept Him because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him. For He lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore. But you will see me because I live. You also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father. and You are in me and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by the Father. I too will love him as I show myself to him. Now, I'm not trying to make you pronoid. And I don't want to shower you with platitudes like, everything's going to be okay. But in the grand scheme of things, in the entire scope of the new creation, everything is going to be okay. You will suffer in this world. So don't believe anyone who tells you otherwise. You will suffer in this world. But as we move toward the new creation that Johnson & Johnson baby shampoo actually delivered on, you remember? No more tears. <laughs> we move toward the new creation with full confidence in two things. Two things we can be absolutely confident of today. Number one, in this world you will have trouble. And number two, Jesus' encouragement do not let your hearts be troubled. In 1859, right before the American Civil War, our country found itself right in the middle of a moral panic. 1859. Just about everyone over the age of 30 banded together, got down on their knees in prayer and worried about the younger generation because they were certain 
that the younger generation was just going to be the end of everything. They have just gone down the wrong path. Mothers cried, fathers were exasperated because the youth of America in 1859 was playing entirely too much chess. This is a true story. They thought that this was going to be the downfall of Western civilization as we know it because those young people are just playing too much chess. Generations always worry about the generations beneath them. But in the grand scheme of things, in the full scope of the new creation, everything's going to be okay. Because remember, we all, at one time or another, either present or past, were part of a generation that the older folks thought, mm, mm, mm. And if it wasn't chess, it was Elvis Presley or something else. We tell a bigger story here. We tell a more important story than just what we're worried about at any given time. And this is important for us to acknowledge. Again, you will have trouble, but don't let it eat away at your heart. And to help us with that, we have the belief in the life of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit who has given us Jesus to be with us forever. The Spirit of Christ lives within us and will be with us forever. We don't ever have to stop saying that because it's always going to be true. We are the ones who love Jesus and are loved by Jesus and continue to see Jesus in one another. A chapter earlier than the one we're in today is where in John 13, Jesus said he was giving us a new command, love one another. And if you've been paying attention to the entire story, not just of John, but the whole scope of things, when Jesus in John 13 says, I'm giving you a new command, love one another, you know how we're supposed to respond to that, right? That's not a new command. We've heard this before. A new command I give you, love one another. That's not new. We heard that yesterday. And we heard it the day before. And we've read it in all these passages of Scripture and all these prophets who've come. I mean, even the Ten Commandments. I mean, you break down the Ten Commandments, the first four basically say this is how you love God, and the last six Say specifically how you love one another. This is nothing new. Love one another. So what did Jesus mean by calling it a new command? Well, maybe it's not the command that's new, but maybe it's us. Maybe we are the ones being made new. And the command is now new in our very lives, right here. And I'm not talking right here in the sense of Galilee and Jerusalem. 
way back when. I'm saying Jesus is saying right now, 2019, a new command I give you, love one another. Because we are being made new. The world in trouble and Jesus overcoming the world for all the good, all of these things and more together point us toward love and faithfulness. The good news, the best news, is that Jesus is still overcoming the world, ushering us into the new creation. Not that the world is trouble-free, but that our hearts can actually believe in something greater. Our hearts are not eternally troubled. But instead, we are eternally faithful because of the promises of Jesus. The promises of a world where everything is moving toward the good, toward a world without end. Amen. May the Lord be gracious unto you and give you peace.